Hello friends, there we go. Had a little audio glitch the first time. We're back. I am in my skinny jeans. I'm wearing skinny jeans right now. Can't see it on the video. And uh, yeah, you can't see it on the audio evidently. But my mom got me skinny jeans for, <laughs> for Christmas. I didn't ask for skinny jeans. I just asked, I asked for pants. Technically, they're not jeans. I don't know what makes something jeans. Is it the denim? What classifies something as jeans? Let me find out. Jeans. What are jeans? Because I actually don't like jeans. It's funny because when I was younger, I was a big jean guy. As I got older, I just like, just give me pants. I don't like the jean. Um, I think part of the things I don't like, part of, the, part of what I don't like about jeans is how, how everyone has them. It just become like the default, like pant, casual pant, when there's so many other superior pants than jeans, you know? Sometimes, you know, sometimes jeans, jeans are nice, but it's just, I'm not over, I'm not like uh, in love with them. It is not the best kind of trouser. Okay, jeans are a type of pants or trousers typically made from denim or dungaree cloth. Often the term jeans refers to a particular style of trousers called blue jeans, which were invented by Jacob W. Davis in partnership with Levi Strauss. Interesting. Interesting. Now, so uh, I guess in order for it to be jean, it has to be denim or dungaree. I'm not familiar with what dungaree is. It's just a thick cloth. I don't think, yeah, I don't think these are jeans. They're black. The cloth, I don't think, is dungaree or denim. Um, so I'm not wearing jeans. I'm wearing skinny pants. Skinny pants. Oh, they might be jean. They have that like stitching or design near the crotch area that uh, I think is distinctive of jean style. Who knows? When you're in a group, uh, this came up. Well, anyway, when you're in a group of people and you have to, there's people seated and you need to go into your seat, which is like in the middle of the row of people, do you give them crotch or do you give them bum? I go bum. Crotch is too intimate. <laughs> I don't need to be making eye contact with them as I slowly get to my seat. Just give them bum. I think of, uh, yeah, when, yeah, yeah, I think I give them, uh, because I was thinking of when was the last time, because it's been so long since we've been in a crowd, you know? So I think it was the last time I've ever had to do that. The only time, like, because I was on a plane recently, I was the window seat, but there wasn't someone seated next to me by the time I sat down. If there were, they would have gotten bum, not crotch. But I think sometimes I've given crotch. And uh, yeah, just too intimate. I, uh, I'm not a big intimate intimacy guy. Yeah, no? <laughs> I, uh, did I already post this?
Oh yeah, I posted this to my story the other time. The other time, um, my story on Instagram. But a friend of mine gave me some really good advice, and I was like, "Oh, that's some, that's good advice. Thank you. Have you, are you like a therapist? Have you done therapy or life coaching before?" And she said, "No, I just have experience working with." A lot of young kids who are autistic or on the spectrum, and teaching them how to be social and compassionate. I was like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> Is that a diagnosis? Are you calling me autistic, or are you just saying, 'No, Randy, you're not autistic, but you're also not social and you're not compassionate enough.' So either it's uh, a diagnosis or it's a roast." But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm really... In I don't like when things get too intimate. Not a big fan. I'll pass on that. I do want to talk about certain things. These aren't necessarily uh, topical. But, and this is not my original thought. My friend, Ryan Long, comedian in New York City, has great podcasts. Only boys can listen to though, so I'm not even gonna plug it on here. But uh, yeah, his name's Ryan Long. And uh, he said something that really resonates with me. And it was basically, we don't need to normalize everything. And I agree with that 100%. Because when you go on TikTok or you go on Instagram, Twitter, all these apps, especially with young people, there's this new thing where they're like, okay, can we like normalize blah, 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 blah. Could we just normalize? It's like, no, let's not. How about you just do that thing that you believe? Just, you just do the thing. You don't need to have society patting you on the back or society's acceptance of even you or even that particular thing that you're doing. Just do it. Why do you have to have everyone, everyone else's approval that's okay? before you're comfortable engaging in whatever it is you want to engage in. The example that Ryan gave, which makes a lot of sense to me, is he was a, he's like, he was like a punk rocker. He had a pop punk band that he was a part of. And part of being that type of guy, he got a lot of tattoos and, you know, a particular look. But he got those tattoos and he set out to have that look not knowing that society around him is not necessarily cool with that he decided to do that to his body to look a certain way or dress a certain way be a part of a certain movement he doesn't need the world to normalize having tattoos all over his body so when you go to work spaces and it's like oh they don't want to hire you because of your tattoos he's like well I knew that going in and I, I've made that choice. I don't need society to be like, yes, it's okay to now have tattoos. Um, so I agree with that completely. Just do that action or that thing or whatever it is. But this whole thing, I saw it a lot on TikTok where they're like, can we please normalize this now? It's like, no, we're not going to normalize it. Or you're not going to dictate what is normal in society. Obviously, to examples of yeah you're just gonna not gonna normalize that sort of thing just do it you know I just don't like when people want other people's validation for things just do it and then if people don't like it they don't like it if 
and then it's their problem. You're just being true to yourself. For me personally, as someone who's a Christian, my guiding, um, what guides my steel de vie or my whatever is um, the Word of God, the Bible. So for me, I stay within that framework of expressing myself or being who I want to be, but I don't need the outside world to condone or to um, give me the thumbs up of, hey, you're doing whatever, this is normal. No, that's not that's not my aesthetic. That's not my style, so to speak. So I really, I really agree with that. You don't have to normalize everything. There's going to be things that you do that you find normal or that you enjoy that society doesn't. Your particular society is not down with it, and they don't need to. It's pro part of the problem with why I, I had a issue with when people used to always say, "Oh, don't you want to be on the right side of history?" And a lot of people said it well-meaningly. They were well-meaning when they said it, but that's just a ridiculous framework of seeing the word, I, the world, I think. Because when you're saying, oh, don't you want to be on the right side of history? No, I don't care how people will necessarily look upon my actions or my viewpoint in the future. That's performative. What you should be thinking is, don't you want to do the right thing? Period. Who cares? Who knows what society is going to be like 50, 100 years from now? It could dive, um, It could be terrible. Who knows? And society might not look fondly upon people who did the right thing at that moment. So it's not about being on the right side of history. It's about just doing what is right or what is necessary in the moment. My actions shouldn't be determined by how the future is going to look upon what I did. Just do your things, guys. For me, of course, my guiding framework will be the Word of God in the in the Bible. And if you don't believe in that, if you believe in another uh, religion, if you're Buddhist or if you're something like that, that's gonna that's gonna be what guides your decisions of how you express yourself, yada yada. And that's fine enough. You don't need to have society's approval for what you're doing. That, that's just how I feel. And that's the name of this podcast, How Randy Feels, so get used to it. A particular example, because, well, a particular, here's a particular example. Men wearing nail polish is becoming more common and not even just as a, metro, a metrosexual thing or um, whatever. I've just seen more men wear nail polish. Have I talked about it on this podcast? Whatever it is. I don't have like a huge ethical issue with it. I'm not like Candace Owens where I'm mad at Harry Styles wearing a dress. I'm not that. And it's not even like a gender thing, I don't think. I don't think it is. But I just don't think that's cool. Not that it's like, I just, it, it looks weird to me. I don't, yeah. Just whenever I see guys wearing nail polish, it just, I just get the mental image of them like sitting at home painting their nails. And for me, that just is that it doesn't sit well with me. It's just like what? I don't know. I wouldn't do it. Other people do it. That's their style. That's their choice. But for me, I'm just like, nah, I'll pass on that. So, f because I pass on it, doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it if that's what you think is a good form of expression for yourself. So it doesn't need to be normalized. Is basically what I'm saying. Because in the past. 
um, getting guys getting their ears pierced also wasn't normalized or maybe people looked at it a certain way. And it's like, yeah, those people just like, yeah, that's probably not my style or whatever. Or they had an issue with it. But eventually enough people did it and it did become normalized. But the you shouldn't be thinking of like, let's get on board and make this a normal thing. Just do it. And then if society likes it or becomes cool, then it becomes cool. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then you're still being you, you know? Uh, but yeah, I don't know what it is about guys wearing nail polish that just, I guess it just doesn't speak to me. Like I said, like just, like if I, because I just, just the way I think about things maybe, because when I see the nail polish, I in my mind see them deciding, okay, I'm going to do this. And then having to go and choose a nail polish color, come home and like they're painting their nails. What do they do? Like, it just seems, it seems like you're doing too much. For me, I don't know, it's just, I like, I don't know. Maybe that's the old man in me. The old man in me. Tattoos I have no problem with, you know? Tattoos I think are cool, piercings I think are cool. But uh, yeah, nail polish thing doesn't do it for me. Anyways, uh, I went back home for the holidays. It was fun. Got to hang out with my family, spend Christmas and all that fun stuff. I did one podcast from my parents' bedroom. Not my parents' bedroom. From my parents' guest room. And you guys saw that. I was like in the corner of the guest room next to the plug. It was really low rent. Uh, but I had a good time. Overheard though. My mom just talking about, you know, work and she was just talking to my dad and she was like, hey, and uh, so this, this and happened and you know that, uh, you know, that, that girl who doesn't like me at work, blah, blah, blah. And then she just went on and started talking and I was just standing up. I think I had a, a glass of water as having a drink and I heard, I just overheard her say, oh yeah. And, the, and you know, that one girl who doesn't like me at work and I got mad. I got really mad. I'm like, who is this woman? Am I going to have to fight someone? Someone who doesn't like my mom? Like, wh wh who are you? My mom's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, that it made me angry. And then it made me think, though, well, you know, uh, there's different people. And sometimes people don't mesh in the workplace or don't mesh in life. Doesn't mean they're, Doesn't mean their son has to go into work and beat up the other person. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it just, uh, it was interesting. It was interesting that I had that initial reaction. I don't know. I think about it though, whenever, I think that's what helps me be a little bit more, because I can be compassionate guys and uh, be patient with people. And what helps me, personally what helps me be able to do that is to humanize the other person as much as possible to humanize them and be like, Oh yeah, that's someone's mom. That's someone's sister. That's a person. And usually I end up talking to them a little bit more so I can understand who they are. So even if I don't necessarily like them, don't like their choices, don't like their beliefs, I can still see them as a human being and still give them respect because I've humanized them. So yeah, I don't know. My mom is just a person. I guess there's certain people who could 
not like her or not like certain things about or they could be jealous of her because she's great <laughs> I don't know what it is it just it pissed me off I'm like who is this woman this woman must be terrible alright let's get off of this topic it's making me angry it's why oh I'll just read what is written here while that we continue sporting events after someone is injured yeah that is wild I played I played soccer back in the day it's been so long since I played soccer so there wasn't usually I don't understand how people get really injured in in soccer you're just not doing it right for the most part there's obviously some accidents that can just happen but I think in soccer in particular and it might be the same in some other sports there's ways that you can you can play to avoid injury and you can be smart about okay there's already two people going in to challenge that ball um don't i don't need to be the third person coming in i can sit back and wait for the ball to come loose there's you know there's just different strategies to avoid getting injured i know a lot of people who play soccer who are always like always are picking up a knock and picking up injuries along the way where i'm just like dude how like my I played a variety of positions in soccer and I'm not the biggest guy and I I can't I never had one soccer injury. So but then again people's bodies are different so I don't know. But what I meant with uh, what I wrote down there is especially in, in football but in a lot of sports someone could get injured like actually like break their arm maybe injure their foot maybe there's blood involved and then they take a knee or everyone, you know, are like, oh my gosh, that's, that's so bad. And then they pick up the person, they take them in the stretcher. And then after that, they just continue on with the game. I know they have to do it, but it, it's still, like, it's crazy that we do that. Like, someone just really got hurt. We don't know the outcome of the injury, yet for, the show must go on. It's not like... There's a level of just weirdness to that. I understand why we do it, but we need to acknowledge that it's bizarre. That you can. I remember uh, a famous uh, hockey player, Brian Brian Berard. Yeah, Brian Berard. He was playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We all basically almost saw him lose an eye. Took a puck, or was it a stick? to the eye, it went under his visor, blood all over the, the ice. The game was stopped for them to like try and, you know, help him out maybe for 20 minutes. After that, we just continue with the game. Like, it's so weird that we do that. So weird. I, um, I work, I do a lot of writing emails. And uh, one thing you need to know if you're gonna write emails, especially if you're representing, well, you just need to know grammar if you're gonna do a lot of uh, writing. And I don't, I do not. I don't think I have uh, a good grasp of English grammar. I don't think I do. And, uh, oh, Okay, there's one more thing I'm going to say at the end of this podcast. Maybe a few more things. It just came to my mind. And, and some people are not going to like it. But 
Anyways, um, English grammar, what was I going to say? Yeah, I, I don't really know much about grammar. And one thing that I've noticed I struggle with a lot is what exactly are the rules for capitalization? Let me actually look that up. Can I look that up real quick? Capitalization in English. What gets capital? What gets capitalized, and what doesn't? Off the top of my head, my head, I'd say proper nouns, right? So, like the city of Montreal, Montreal will always get uh, a capital because it's a proper noun. You're talking about which city? You're talking about Montreal. Um, people's names, obviously, capitalized. What else gets capitalized? Words at the beginning of sentences get capitalized. I know that. But I've noticed in emails and other things, you'll just see random capitalized words. I'm not sure. For example, um, say I'm writing an email. If I'm talking about a particular office, does it get capitalized? Like the, like it, within the organization, I guess. Say your organization is uh, the Montreal Old People's Club. Montreal Old People's Club, all of it will be capitalized. You have a building. We have a building on Sherbrooke Street, the Jefferson Building. Jefferson will be capitalized. But would you say um, the Old People's Club, the Old People's Club Lemonade Room, does the Lemonade Room now become capitalized all the time because you have a Lemonade Room? Am I making sense? I just don't understand within an organization, am I supposed to capitalize like all their buildings, all their forms, all of that? Because now we're capitalizing everything. Do you guys know what I mean? I don't know what I mean. We're capitalizing way too many things. Forms are being capitalized, buildings and offices capitalized. Like everything gets a capital. <laughs> I don't know anything about English. Okay, so uh, let's see what it says here. English capitalization rules. And this is from Grammarly.com. Let's see what it says, shall we? Uh, I'll just read it verbatim because this podcast is so interesting. At first glance, the, I need to stop doing that. There's a list of things that I've been trying to stop doing on the stock whatever. Anyways, capitalization. At first glance, the rules of English capitalization seem simple. You probably know you should capitalize proper nouns. Like I said, the first word of every sentence, I said that. But you also sometimes capitalize the first word of a quote. Huh. Did not know why. Really? Usually you don't capitalize after a colon, but there are exceptions. And what do you do when you're not sure whether something is a proper noun? Okay, here we go. Number one, capitalize the first word of sentence. Yeah, I get that. Uh huh. Capitalize, capitalize names and other proper nouns. Yeah, yeah, so I got that. What else is there? Don't capitalize after a colon. I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wasn't planning to, so that's no big deal. Uh, capitalize the first word of a quote sometimes. Capitalize the first word of a quote when the quote is a complete sentence. That is good to know. Did you guys know that? You capitalize the first word of a quote when the quote is a complete sentence. Now I know. Okay. 
You capitalize days, months, and holidays, but not seasons, okay? In French, I don't believe you capitalize the days of the week. Someone can correct me on that. Capitalize most words and titles. Yeah, I knew that. Capitalize cities, countries, nation nationalities, and languages. So English is always, I think, is that this? Est-ce que c'est la même chose en français? Yeah. Est-ce que les are languages capitalized in French? Elle parle russe. I guess. Um, nationalities, yeah. So he's French, okay, as opposed to. Wait, he speaks French. When you write, he speaks French, is F, I guess you're supposed to capitalize the F. Have I been doing that? Interesting. Interesting. Capitalize time periods and events? Events. Well, yeah, I guess that, that makes sense. Anyways. So I just needed to get a little bit of clarification on capitalization. But, uh, okay, two more things. Wow, this podcast is going by quickly, even though I made it awkward in a couple of places. Uh, okay, I have, I have a Bachelor of Arts. I have a bachelor's degree in Women's Studies and Feminist Research. And as a comedian, I've done jokes in the past making fun of the fact that I have a feminist degree, and I do think it's, it's quite humorous. I can see the comedy in it. I'm also a comedian, so I can see that. So I've made jokes about it. I've made jokes about the fact of, you know, getting an arts degree. There's like a whole thing about you get a BA, then you wasted your time, basically, is the joke. And uh, yeah, I think it's funny. I, I understand where that comes from. But then I was thinking about it a little bit more, and most degrees you don't use. I don't know why we get so mad or people make this stigma with arts and humanities degrees. Because I would argue that in everyday life you are more likely to use an arts degree or your arts or humanities, maybe even social sciences degree, than most specified degrees or professional degrees if you're not in that particular profession. Because there's people who get professional degrees but just because of the, the workforce or life, they don't end up using it. But you're, okay, I'll give you a, pro, uh, a perfect example. I majored in women's studies and feminist research. In my life, being a human being, I interact with women. Plot twist. And with that, there's feminist issues or issues of gender that come up in just living life and interacting with other people or thinking about things that I can use my background to help me not necessarily get the right answers, but get a perspective or be able to hear out and listen to women's voices on particular issues because I kind of uh, have a little bit of a background of discussing things in that nature, so I'm comfortable in that space, which comes up frequently in life. And that's in receiving a bachelor's degree in women's studies and feminist research. If you get, uh, let's say, a chemistry degree, how often is that used if you don't specifically get a job in chemistry? I doubt you use it that much. What, like, 
Maybe when you're boiling water? Is that chemistry? I, I, I don't know. How often are you using your knowledge of the periodic table in every day-to-day -day life? I'm not sure. Maybe when you're reading bottles, the nutritional facts on, uh, on food? If you have a chemistry degree, like, I don't think you're necessarily using it that much. And there's all this flack for people who get film degrees. Well, you got a degree in film. Do you watch movies? Yeah, maybe it helps you enjoy movies more, appreciate art, which is around us every day. There's always art and there's always media. So maybe you don't necessarily specifically have a job in that, but it is still being utilized as opposed to like, I don't know if you have a mathematic de mathematics degree. Do you just sit at home and make up math problems for yourself to be able to use your degree? Like, here's like uh, if someone has. Okay, let me put it this way: in life, there's people who go out and take, for example, get a degree in Russian literature. It seems so b bizarre. You get a degree in Russian literature, right? Statistically speaking, stats, I think, and someone can prove me wrong about this, you're probably going to run into Russian literature in your life more or just as much as you're going to use advanced functions in your life. I graduated from high school. Since then, I have not seen a parabola. I used to be good at math until they told us, hey, Let's take out our graph paper. And I was like, I'm going to head out, just like that SpongeBob meme. It was the end of math for me. So my, I guess my point is, I do think university degrees in general and getting a degree in university is useful. I think it, but I think about it this way. It is you setting out to accomplish usually a four-year task. So it is an um, intellectual goal. It's a project. So if someone gets a bachelor's degree, that lets me know that they're able to persevere over four years to plan their time, to develop steady habits, to retain knowledge, and to figure out how to complete that project of getting a degree. That tells me something about that person um, in terms of how they're able to work and how they're able to function intellectually. So that's, to me, the value of the degree. The actual... Um, the actual school of thought or the actual program is not as important to me personally. Obviously, if you're being recruited for a job, they might need you to have a particular degree to be able to function and work within that particular role. But I don't think arts degrees are any less than science degrees and um, even engineering degrees or any other sort of degree because and most of those other degrees are only applicable in those particular milieus. Most arts and humanities degrees, just being a citizen of life, you're going to apply. So, I, obviously the jokes are still funny. Let's keep the jokes going. But if we're being real, if someone has a degree in English, English lit, they probably use that way more than someone who has a a degree in, I don't know, what's another like degree that people think, like economics maybe? Do, do you use an economics degree? But no one ever gives them, oh, anyways.
let me get off my soapbox and talk about something that came to my mind in the shower that I'm gonna, well, it didn't come to my mind in the shower, but I, I worked it out in the shower. I, I talk in the shower. I do stand-up bits in the shower. People sing in the shower. I do my stand-up in the shower. And this one might make people mad, but I will die on this hill. There's this whole thing about Leonardo DiCaprio being creepy because he dates these 20-year-old models all the time and he just, like, cycles through them. Um, but I don't think he's creepy. I think he's doing the right thing. I think he's wasting their time. He's wasting these 20-year-olds' time, and that is the right thing. That's what he should be doing. Um, I, let me explain. Let me look up how old Leonardo DiCaprio is, though. I think he's late 40s, maybe he's 50 now. Let's look it up. Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Alright, so Leonardo DiCaprio is 46. Come on, guys. Okay, so if you don't know the thing that people say about Leo, is that, and, and this is, I think, a small group of people, but a loud small group, right? They call him creepy because he's 46 and... He just keeps on going through this, these Victoria's Secret models, particularly, but he dates like 20-year-old models and he goes out with them for like a year or two, on to next, on to next, and people call that predatory and creepy. Alright, my point of view is maybe he's in his 40s and he realizes that he doesn't want to get married, doesn't want to have children, doesn't want to have anything serious, he just wants to have fun. And he's doing the right thing because, I, from my experience being in my late 20s even, you get to a point where there's a lot of uh, women who want something serious when they're in their 30s. So, he's instead of wasting his time or wasting those women time, I'm assuming he's heterosexual, instead of wasting a 30-year-old's time who has a plan to have a serious relationship, not even just get married, go date someone in, your tw in their 20s because a lot of girls in their 20s, they don't care about that yet. So in, for me, it makes sense for Leo, if his thinking is like, I just want to have fun. I don't want anything serious. Instead of uh, dating someone in their 30s or 40s who might want a serious relationship, you're just like, these 20 year old girls, they, he's doing Aladdin's work. He's like, I can show you the world. Like imagine being Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriend. The, to quote Dr. Seuss, oh, the places you would go, you know? So he's just dating these models, and I'm assuming he finds that look attractive. I'm not, the model look is not really what I'm into, and uh, if I was in his position, I'd probably date older than 20-year-old girls. I'd probably go a little bit older, like Reba McIntyre, because she's, she's talented, and she's gorgeous, and she's single, from what I've uh, ascertained. Is Reba McIntyre single? <laughs> Is Reba McIntyre single? I know she unfortunately divorced her uh, husband of uh, a long time. Oh, Reba McIntyre is older than my my parents. Yeesh. She looks good though for how old she is. Oh, it was her second marriage. Hang in there, Reba. Don't give up. How old is Reba? She was born in 55, so that makes her 65 years old. 
65 years old. Uh, that's, that's too old for Leo. But my point is, there's nothing wrong, like, if as long as they're both consenting adults, and I, I'm pretty sure these models know what they're getting into. They're dating Leonardo DiCaprio. They know, he, he's a handsome dude. Isn't he like a zaddy, as you guys call it? It's like, they know what's going on. They date for a couple years, moves on to next. And the other thing that makes me mad about this, the, this is the element that makes me super mad about this. In a post Me Too era, where people who were allegedly feminists are getting called out and turned out to their their predators the whole time, Leonardo DiCaprio still has a five star rating on Uber dates. Like he has nothing but good reviews. I haven't heard any of these twenty year old uh, women that he used to date complain at all. You know who is complaining? These girls who aren't dating Leonardo DiCaprio. They're the ones complaining. As long as the girls that he's been dating with don't, they haven't accused him of being um, abusive, of being creepy or anything like that. And right now, in this generation, it's the time where everyone's getting called out. He has a five-star rating. So, and that's why in my mind, I think it's a little unfair to call it creepy. And especially in, if we're gonna be people who live according to a standard that we put out where you know right now the thing is love is love that's why everyone's saying love is love then this is consenting adults let them do their thing and it's none of your business leonardo dicaprio to me is not creepy now there is one thing that's a little creepy that i uh i again it's i don't know what's going on but i heard he's dating like like someone who's like, uh, like he's currently dating someone who's, um, what's it? It's like, it's Al Pacino's like granddaughter or Al Pacino's like relative who Leonardo DiCaprio uh, also knew when she was younger, but now she's like 20 and now he's dating her. And people are calling that a little bit predatory and a little bit of grooming. I don't know what happened in their lives, so I can't really comment on it, but that could, that specific, that could be a little creepy. That one. But as a whole, who cares if he dates, if that's his type, his type. Younger women of legal age, he's allowed to have his preference. And now I'm looking at his Wikipedia. Man, listen, just get your nose out of people's business. It, on his Wikipedia, it lists like his previous partners. He dated Giselle Bundchen for five years. Giselle is around his age, I'm assuming. And then he dated uh, Bar Raffaele for immediately after that, um, another six years. So it's not like he's like just full on out, you know, um, just, oh, I just need them to be so young, like that. That's not the case. He spent from 2000 to, it says here, from 2000 to 2011, he was dating Giselle, then Bar Raffaele. That's 11 years that he was in two serious relationships. The last 10 years, he's like, you know what? I'm Leonardo DiCaprio. Maybe he got, who knows? Maybe he got his heart broken. And now he's just like, I'm just going to go to the islands and hang out with young models and those are going to be my girlfriends. You don't know what happened to him.
Leonardo DiCaprio, if you're listening to this, I got you. Don't let them don't let them say this this junk about you. You know? I like though that you don't come out and acknowledge them haters. Cause that's what they are. They're haters. Leonardo DiCaprio's not creepy. He's maybe just had a broken heart and now he's just going out with these models, having a good time, seeing the world, as he should. He's made great movies. The Aviator, Titanic, The Departed, Blood Diamond, this Django Unchained, that guy? Give him a break, guys. <laughs> all right, that's all. This is a longer podcast. Um, enjoy the rest of your uh, week. I'm on a curfew because I have not been behaving. So please do not ask me to hang out after 8 p.m., all right? Um, Once I've been a good boy, I'll be able to go outside. All right, enjoy the rest of your week.